shall we turn to second chronicles chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 thank you second chronicles 7 13 and 14 Maybe I'll read because you know it looks like thank you When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land Amen. shall we pray heavenly father we thank you and we praise you for this beautiful privilege that you have granted us to come to the throne of grace the majesty of your name we are called by your name to lift up your holy name to worship you and we confidently come to the throne of grace this morning to worship you lord sinners that we are we seek the sprinkling of the blood of the lamb upon our lives this morning lord that we will be cleansed that we will become holy and worthy to be praising and adoring you lord help us to see the beauty of your holiness this morning as we worship you talk to us lord we pray that only the name of the lord will be lifted and no human voice will be sounding from this pulpit this morning hide me behind the cross lord thank you father in the name of jesus we pray amen please be seated when i shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and forgive and will forgive their sin and heal their land This is a very familiar passage we have all read this so many times and we have heard so many sermons about on this and this is not a very deep message also that uh you'll be listening to this morning but something that the holy spirit actually buffeted me the last few days King Solomon has just completed the magnificent temple that he has built in Jerusalem and in chapter 6 verses 3 through 11 the king addresses this people he the people of israel 
and in that little short speech you will hear this word this phrase repeated my people my name this morning for lack of any better title for my message i have chosen the words of god my people who are called by my name after that short address that king solomon makes to his nation in verses 12 through 41 of chapter 6 of second chronicles solomon prays one of the longest and the most passionate prayers in the pages of the scriptures probably it comes second only to the high priestly prayer of our lord jesus in the gospel of john chapter 17 in that prayer also he we will read the same phrase quite a few times your people your name then in chapter 7 verses 1 through 11 Solomon dedicates the temple of the Lord. And in verses I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. When when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The Lord appears to the people of Israel so visibly after the prayer and dedication of that temple. Then in verse 12 of chapter 7 we read that the Lord appears to Solomon one night that same night actually. Right after the dedication of the temple right after the glory of the lord was revealed to the people right after god has told them very affirmatively that he will answer their prayers solomon is warned about something and the warning is that yes i promised you a lot of things but it is possible that this your nation your people will be punished if they fall away into sin the potential for them to fall away from god and the potential for them to be punished because of that they are god's people they are his chosen ones but they can fall into sin they can follow after other gods and they can be the reason why god will punish their land god in his love in his divine mercy is warning them through these verses and along with that warning 
God is also giving them a solution. They have just worshiped the Lord. And they have seen the glory of the Lord so visibly. They have heard the king praying. And the Lord's answer to the king was pub- announced publicly. And the Lord said, I have heard your prayer. Verse 12. But now God is talking to Solomon. I want to bring up this home to you. I want you to build up this, this, this scenario, this backdrop very well before I go any further. Now God is bringing, talking to Solomon again. So he can talk to his people. That it is possible that if my people fall away into sin, they could be punished. It is possible that God would shut up heaven. It is possible that God will send no rain. It is possible that the locusts would come and devour their land. And it is quite possible that God would allow pestilence among his people. When does this happen? When God's people turn away from God's ways. God is, God's dealings are always on behalf of his people. And the Bible is the story of God dealing with his people. From Genesis through Revelation, this is the, the, the narrative of God dealing with God's people. He's not talking about Egypt here. He's not talk, talking about Babylonians here. He's not, to, not talking about the, any of the Gentile nations around, but he's talking only about his people. And if any of the Gentiles or anything else is mentioned, it's only because they have come in contact, they have come in interaction with God's people. If the Gentile nations sin, or if they practice idolatry, God will deal with them separately. That's not our business. That's a totally different program for God. But there is a different group of people. He calls them my people. He will deal with them very differently. Why am I saying this? Let's bring it home. Today, we have all kinds of problems in this world in this nation, in our society. The world is sick. The situations are dangerously bad. Our society is polluted by everything ungodly. There is no fear of God among people. There is mockery of godly standards in our society. 
our morals are corroded our cardinal truths are bent by even the so called spiritual leaders absolute morality and values are giving away to giving way to moral relativism our children and our grandchildren are facing challenges that we could not even imagine when we were growing up homosexuality has become almost like the norm in the nation it's an accepted norm same sex marriage is on the rise some even in the christian circles have become advocates for them young children are taught in elementary schools that it's okay to have parents of the same gender males are identified as females and females as males and the law is supporting this perversion gender changing surgeries are performed on minors without the consent or even the knowledge of their parents our our society endorses perversion and we call it alternate lifestyle we kill our unborns and we call it choice parents are taken away from their god given authority to make decisions on behalf of their children abortion rates are on an all time high late term abortions are being legalized the very first institution that god established the holy institute of marriage between a man and a woman is crumbling and the divorce rate is on the rise like never in history husbands and wives live in the same house but have not communicated in months and the children are witnesses to what's going on between the parents there is no true love between parents between parents and children and between siblings children have no relationship with parents and vice versa we are blinded by materialism we are blinded by worldliness and we are blinded by the wealth that god has given us by the pleasures we become carried away by the hedonistic society that we live in brothers and sisters there is a civil war that's going on between morality and immorality between good and bad and between right and wrong there is an increasing pressure from all around us to compromise and to accommodate to surrender the gold standards of the scriptures to move the very foundations that we were built upon our golden shields are being exchanged for bronze and rusted iron shields our nation is getting sicker and sicker and it is not just physical alone our problem is not having no rain for three years like in the times of elijah 
is worse than the attack of locusts. Our generations are taken captives by an anti-biblical culture and an anti-biblical authority. They are subjected to intellectual tortures. They are asked to look like others, like in Daniel's times, like the Babylonians, like the Chaldeans, like the Egyptians, like the Philistines around us, like the nations around us. The demand is to surrender our identity. Do you know that our children are, are the precious God-given possessions, treasures entrusted with us? Can you see Satan leading them away into captivity by a lifestyle of ungodliness? And how can we sit comfortably in our couches and watch them taken away in captivity. I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, do you have a healthy relationship between your spouse, husbands? Do you have a healthy relationship with your wife and wives? Do you maintain a healthy, godly relationship with your wives? Children, do you have a healthy relationship with your parents? I love you all. You don't need to answer me. Just think. And parents... If God is looking at you, do you have a healthy relationship with your children? Will your children ever say that your fa their father or their mother is godly? Will your parents relate to your faith in God? about your prayer life and about your godly commitments. Do you think we can sit calm and relax when all these things are going on around us? This morning, the man of God was teaching in the, in, 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 in the Malayalam Bible class about situations before us that looks like iron gates. Yes, this looks like iron gates. You just can't pass them. It's so hard. It's so hard. Then I realized from what he also taught this morning, when we pray, when the church prays, iron gates open. When the church prays, when my people pray, the Lord says, yes. he will come down for them.
when man gets are restricting your god given promises to be accessed like samson was god will strengthen you to lift up that iron gate and put it on your shoulders and walk out hallelujah because we serve a god who empowers his children today what is the solution everything i said so far is real that truth that's happening in the society now what do we do the answer is also in there can we all read that verse 14 now when all these things happen the answer lies in a group of people it says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways their sin will be forgiven and i will heal their land my people my people god is looking at a group of people and saying they are my people i want to ask you today if god looks at you today is he going to say he is my people Amen. she is my people hallelujah do you belong to god hallelujah if you belong to god if you know that you belong to god this message is about you because it says something that you as god's people should do and if you are not sure that you belong to god there is a way to become god's people hallelujah john chapter 1 verse 12 but as many as received him to them he gave the authority or the right to become children of god to those who believe in his name i don't think it was an accident that my brothers yeah i can today say brothers sang his name about his name it was no accident god is has chosen a people whom he calls my people and you know what he did he is calling them by his name he's choosing a group of people he's choosing a people and putting his name on them it's very hard to digest though god has given us the authority to bear his name so 
we can be God bearers and represent God. You know, I remember as a teenager, I was actually the chosen one to attend weddings when our family was invited for weddings because my dad was a government officer and he could hardly get out of his work. So I'll be the representative traveling to places. And, and wherever I go, people used to call my dad Matusar. So wherever I went, I represented my father and people said, he's Matusar's son. And I get all the privileges and all the things that my dad would get and I will get a, a, a seat which usually I don't belong to also if I went on my own. God has chosen us and has put his name on us. Hallelujah. So we could represent God. I recently read this story about Mark Cuban. You know Mark Cuban, the owner of Dallas Mavericks. You know, the, the, the basketball team. You know, he offered Mark David Kaplan, a Chicago sports radio talk show host, $100,000. It happened. The condition was, that David Kaplan should change his name to Dallas Maverick for the rest of his life in exchange for $100,000. And this man, David Kaplan, thought for a while. Then he said, I would generally do anything for money. But to change my name, that bothers me. My name is my birthright. My identity. I would like to preserve my integrity and my credibility. Amen. And he declined $100,000. What is your name? Are you called by God's name today? In Genesis 32, we read about a man. He has a great spiritual, spiritual heritage. He's Abraham's grandson. He is actually a carrier of blessing. But his greatest asset from his very birth is deception. He's an usurper. He deceived his brother. He deceived his father. He deceived uh, uh, his uh, father-in-law. And from all these places, he carried blessings and cattle and sheep and all. And he came to a place called the Strait of Jabbok, or the Ford of Jabbok. And there he met another person, none other than God. And he wrestled with him one night. And you know what happened. Jacob got his name changed that night. 
Jacob was asked, what's your name? He said, Jacob. With that name, wherever he went, he was actually a carrier of curse, even though his father had blessed him. But that night, his name was changed. His name was changed to Israel. Israel, the one who wrestled with God. Hallelujah. You know, in Acts 11.26, we read that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. You know, we are called Christians. You know what that means? We bear the name of Christ. And it's no small thing. It's no small thing. And we are a people of covenant, my dear brothers and sisters. I really don't have the time to go into the details of that. The name Christian is our birthright. That you belong to Christ. You must preserve your integrity and your credibility in a world that begs to compromise and demands to be some, someone else. And do not trade your precious jewels for the world's cheap trinkets. Satan will bargain through your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, your relatives, your patients for me. And his only desire is to take out the name of God from you. To make you lose your identity as somebody who belonging to God. We must be very watchful. Apostle Peter is warning in 1 Peter 5.8. He says that your adversary is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So be sober, be vigilant, be careful. You must know the, the tactics of your enemy. Hallelujah. What is the name you carry? The name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, it's so easy to be a Sunday worshiper and a Monday through Saturday idolater. So easy to move, go through the motions of worshiping God on Sunday and to identify with other gods starting tomorrow. In the world you move around. That's exactly what the devil wants. What must we do? What must we do? If we know we are, we belong to God. If we know that we, we bear the name of God, what shall we do? What does the verse say? I'm not saying anything more than what is in the verse there. My people who are called by my name will humble, humble ourselves. Humility. This is the hallmark of a true Christian. Christian humility it is the opposite of the worldly pride. 
a humble person trusts God, whereas a proud person trusts in himself. Humble people attribute to God all the glory for their success, whereas pride makes a person take all the credit of his success to himself. We know the parable of the proud and arrogant Pharisee and the humble and the broken-hearted publican who came to the temple to pray. The supreme example of humility was exemplified on the cross of Calvary where the Son of God came down and gave his life for us. Apostle Paul writes, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christian humility is the demonstration of the indwelling of Christ in one's life. The people of God must call upon him with the spirit of humility. If you are filled with Christ, you must be filled with Christ's humility also. Pride makes us so arrogant to say that we don't need anyone else. Whereas humility calls for others to join. Humility is the prerequisite for unity. Humility is the prerequisite for unity. And unity is the prerequisite for revival. Why do the churches fail to be revived? No revival. Lots of activities. Lots of this and that in the name of revival. And no true revival. No changed lives. One reason is that there is no unity among us. Wherever revival was recorded in the scriptures or in history, the Holy Spirit wrote there was unity in the congregation. They were all in one accord. They were all together. And the fifth one, after humility, what shall they do? What does the verse say? My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. The people of God must be people of prayer. We must keep praying until we get the answer from God. Persistence in prayer. Fervency in prayer. Actually, we have been learning about that in the Malayalam Sunday School. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. There is power in prayer. Prayer is never to change God's mind. Don't pray in order to change God's mind. You'll be disappointed. Never. Prayer moves 
us into the heart of God, into the will of God. It moves us to know what God is planning for our lives. Hallelujah. And it allows us to discern his wisdom through the situations that we are going through. That's why Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. There is grace and mercy at the throne of grace. I want to ask you a personal question today. Brothers and sisters, how much time did you spend last week praying? How much time? I know you did a lot of things. You prepared. You did that. People, ministers, my dear choir leaders, I want to ask you, don't answer me. How much time? Knowing that you are going to be ministering before God. How much time did you pray? After that, I know these are all topics you can go home and read and meditate and study in depth. What shall we do after prayer? Seek my face. It says, seek my face. Whose face are we seeking today? In your crisis, who do you go to first? Are we a people who seek God first? Or we exhaust all avenues before seeking God? God wants his people to come to him first. And God wants his people to come to him first and stay there until they hear from him. But God, seeking God's face has another meaning also. You know what that is? Facing God. If I was going away in that direction, Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Walking towards God. Changing direction in life. Yes. Okay. Seeing his face before us. This is a true picture of repentance and a changed life. We must have a changed mind. A mindset to See God in everything. We must be people who walk toward God. That's why David says, I have set the Lord always before me. Psalm 16 verse 8. And finally, after all these things, what shall we do? Turn from their 
wicked ways whose wicked ways my people my people is scary right it is scary god is saying to solomon right after blessing came right after the visible presence of god was shown before the entire nation he says that they could fall into sin and become wicked wicked ways in god's people's lives yes we have been saved by grace but do you have wickedness in you no i when you take time to meditate this verse i'm telling you it shakes the foundations of your chair if you are honest before god it shakes your foundations when god tells you there's wickedness that you're hiding in your heart ask your soul brothers and sisters you know the answer will god say today about you or me here is my son or my daughter in whom i am well pleased if he won't there is wickedness in us that is why we must be people who get saved every day yes we were saved once by grace through faith believing in christ that's not enough every day we must be repenting even if we don't remember any sins we don't become righteous before the glowing eyes of the holy god we live in a sinful world the enticement of sin is all around us that is why god has provided for his people sanctification to be washed daily by his word to be daily sprinkled by the blood of the lamb to be filled with the spirit of the lord hallelujah to be led by his hand hallelujah because his presence is with you the mind of christ and the spirit of christ in must in us must steadily make us grow into the likeness of christ hallelujah abandon the old style of living put away the old filthy garment put on the garment of righteousness put away the old man put on the new man christ let Christ shine through us. When we have met all these criteria that verse ends by three things that God will do. I'm going to finish very quickly. What are they? God will hear from heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. could it be that 
the reason why he did not hear your prayers all these years were because you did not meet some of the criteria above read this verse several times second chronicles chapter 7 13 and 14 several times at home it will transform you it will transform you where is the breach in your life and my life life that god is not answering my prayers god will hear our prayers in heaven when people of god return to him in humility and with a broken heart he will hear their prayers that means you will be privileged to be ushered into the throne of grace so he can listen to your prayers it's a privilege i don't have the time to bring the graphics before you god is going to be listening to your prayers eagerly yes he's controlling the whole universe from the angels to all the universe that created universe he is managing but among all that things those things he will listen to your feeble cry for help he will never be too busy to answer your prayers he will never be too busy child of god remember that that is the difference between your god and the other gods your god created the entire universe your god created the entire creations and your god is sustaining every one of them and still your god has the ear to listen to you but you approach him with a broken heart and the human bearing his name that is the qualifying title because you belong to him Amen. number 2 god will listen to your prayers you know what will happen then secondly god will forgive you. My dear brothers sisters we need forgiveness Yes we were forgiven once our sins were blotted away when we accepted the Lord as our savior but we must ask for forgiveness daily in our life Let me ask you something God will forgive us Why forgive? Not the first time. First time he wiped it clean. No conditions there. Just accept the Lord. That's all there was. Now for you, if my people, for you to be forgiven, you must be forgiving. Do you hold against your brothers and sisters the offense they did to you? I know I am not talking the most revival message today. 
can you forgive so god can forgive you is your unforgiving heart standing in the way of god forgiving you and blessing you is your unforgiving spirit becoming a hindrance to god for blessing you and your family this afternoon i plead with you in the mercies of god you must forgive the one that offended you please do that you have been forgiven if you find it hard to forgive look on the cross of calvary and tell the one who is hanging there i will not forgive tell him that. Can you walk away if you can? I'm not asking you to ignore what they offended you with. Yes, it may be true, it may be real. But you must deliberately forgive because you have been forgiven and you need forgiveness. There's a blessing in store for you. and that can happen only by liberating yourself of that unforgiving spirit and finally we talked about sickness of the land and that verse ends by saying and i will heal you Let me ask you something. Who has the key to healing of the land? Who is holding the key to healing of the land? It's God's people. It's God's people. When you do that, I'll be health in your physical life in your personal life in your family life in your workplace in our church you're praying for revival it will happen if my people call by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and i will forgive their sin and heal their land brothers and sisters we will be revived our children will be set free and our land will experience healing may the good lord bless us